This podcast contains content such as bullying and mental health topics and may not be suitable for listeners who are impacted by these topics. If you are experiencing issues in your workplace or would like more information on resources available in your location, please check the show notes or head to www.supercooltoxicworkplace.com. This is Super Cool Toxic Workplace, Episode 5. Do you have two minutes? In this episode, we talk with a former employee of headquarters. And this is a long episode, so I'm keeping it short now. However, there are are a lot of interesting details in what you're going to hear. Especially as the episode ends as we look to the future, where this whole thing took a bit of a turn. For now, let's go back to Copenhagen and back to headquarters. You started working at the Mikola headquarters. What were your uh, initial impressions when you started working at the company? Well, in the beginning, I was really happy to be part of the Mikela team. Um, it was a cool place to work because people were, uh, there was a good energy and so on. And I, I enjoyed my first time there, for sure. At some point, something changed in that experience for you around the company culture. What yeah. was that point? So the first time I realized something wasn't right was when one of my co-workers, uh, my co-worker wasn't there at the time, but I was in a meeting with um, Don and Peter. They were talking about yeah, one of my colleagues and the way they spoke of the person was just, I, w- I was shocked because they were like ridiculing him and, and, and talking about him in a way where I, I, I couldn't believe that that was the tone and you could actually that they would talk about this person like this in front of me because the stuff they were saying I was pretty sure I wasn't supposed to hear it first of all it was like personal things and uh, they were like mocking him in a way and I remember thinking I w- what is going on and am I supposed to hear this I'm not supposed to hear this and, and why are they like making fun of him in front of me the way they are. Because I knew my colleague very, rather well at this point, and I knew that he was a hard worker and he did his best and so on. So for him to get this kind of treatment in front of me while he wasn't there shocked me. And I remember thinking for the first time, this is not right, but it seems normal. Like they're talking as if it's completely normal. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were aware, obviously, that I was there because it was the three of us in a room. Um, so that was the first time I, 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 I thought, what the, what's going on here? Mm. This, is, this is not right. So obviously there's always that first moment, the first moment the red flag goes up. Mm-hmm. And then it feels like they start to come at you faster and faster. Yeah. Was that the experience that you had in regards to the things that you started to observe about the company culture? Yeah, in the beginning I, I, I just thought, okay, this was probably a, a one-time thing and it was, yeah. It was an exception, you know, it, but I soon found out that it was, that was normal. It was in fact normal mm. to talk about employees this way. Um, and the tone and the, it was, it was a harsh tone. It was almost as if it was like the cool kids in high school, you know, talking about the lame kids. And I remember thinking, I don't want to be part of the cool kids if this is how it's going to be. I was slowly realizing that it was uh, the way it was it, it was completely normal and I had this weird feeling that if I said something I would just be the one they would talk about in this way my guts went up for sure did you personally experience any kind of sexism or casual misogyny in this working environment uh yes unfortunately I uh, I did experience a lot of comments I think they were supposed to be like a positive thing but it just made me wonder what the culture actually was because I remember one morning I came in and my female colleague came over and she said oh you're you're so brave to wear perfume I love your perfume but you're so brave to wear it and I remember thinking why is that brave to wear perfume and she said well it's like an unwritten rule that Perfume is not allowed 
because Don doesn't like it. And I remember thinking that can't be right. I mean, it's not his business whether or not you wear perfume. And another incident was me wearing lipstick. And again, I was uh, told how brave I was to to wear lipstick. And I remember thinking that's so strange that I received these compliments for something so basic as you know makeup and and, and perfume. And it's not like I I wore half a bottle of Chanel Number no. Five. And even if I did, I mean, who should who should bother about that? And Peter, he uh, he commented on my clothes. He would. Uh, there was one time where he came up to me and he he. I was wearing a T-shirt and he commented on that T-shirt in a really unpleasant way. He would he was he would like bite his lip and he would say, "Does it really say this on your T-shirt?" There was a text saying "cherry blossom," uh, and I remember saying, "Yes. Why do you ask?" And he just sort of smiled in a in a weird way and and he just took off and I just felt I'm not going to say I felt dirty but I felt like I was wearing something really over the top or something really you know vulgar mm. and it was in fact just a red t-shirt with a text saying cherry blossom that's all and and what he got out of it I, I really don't know why he he thought it was something super sexual uh, but he uh, he really put emphasis on the fact that he found it ar arousing somehow. And another incident, he he told me directly that I couldn't wear a certain pair of pants because he couldn't concentrate on his work when I wore them. And uh, he would look at me in a way where I would realize that he was looking at me and he would like, hold his, you know, he would keep looking to make sure that I saw it and then look away after making sure that I saw that he was looking. Does that make sense? Like the way the way he was looking was just, he was like undressing me with his eyes. That's, that's I think that's what you normally call it. And that's exactly what he was doing. And it was really uncomfortable. And I really tried my very best to show with body language and so on that I did not find it comfortable or um, acceptable um, and when he made these comments I would I would be very clear that I did not want that kind of attention mm. and I was told not to wear high heels because that was very unprofessional uh, of me and I had to remember that I worked in a brewery um, and high heels were not considered appropriate and at the same time, I would get these stares, you know, not uh, angry stares, but more like, yeah, you know, that dirty look that you get from men every now and then. So I was told not to, to wear my high heels and it was going to be put in the handbook that uh, high heels were not allowed. Who and told you that? That was uh, Peter told me that uh, I should not wear them anymore. I was not allowed to wear my, my shoes and... Uh, He's, yeah, and then not to wear my pants. He didn't, the pants were not going in the handbook, obviously, but he told me twice that I can't wear those pants because he simply can't concentrate on his work when I was wearing them. And they were just black pants, just to make it clear. So this person is your superior? Yes. They are your boss? Yes. You're experiencing these things and you have to wake up and go to this office every day and see this person. How was that impacting you at that time? I, well, I don't know if you can imagine, but um, walking around and feeling watched the way I felt watched and getting this attention that you really don't want and having this like sexual vibe that you really, really do not want and fearing what it will mean for you if you say no. I mean, I did show with body language and I did tell him that I didn't want this kind of attention. Uh, it made me nervous every day. Like every day I would wake up to work and I would, when I was getting dressed, I would think, will this uh, give him, you know, a reason to look at me today? And I would purposely try to hide myself in a way because I felt watched by him in a very unpleasant way. When you 
brought up your discomfort to him, what was his response? He would just laugh. I mean, he would just be like, oh, relax, it's not. I mean, just chill. You worked f with this person for a, a substantial amount of time and it sounds as though there was a foundation and a power dynamic that was trying to be established, potentially, maybe not consciously, but there was some version of a power dynamic that was already in play. How did that manifest through the remainder of your employment with him, with uh, the company? Well, in, in, in many occasions, uh, Peter remind me who's in charge and uh, who had the power, and he said, everybody, we the company doesn't need anybody, so if you don't do what you're told, you would just be replaced. And if you criticize the way things are done, you would be replaced. So... I knew that if I didn't just follow orders, I would be fired. And if I uh, said anything that would go against him, I would be fired. It was so obvious. And I think everybody that ever worked at McKellen knew that... Peter. ...the power to get rid of you, whether or not you deserved it or not. As an employee, you just don't go against... Don and Peter. Because we have seen other people disappear. I have heard on several occasions. Don and Peter. Say. Just fire him, fire them, get rid of her. And um, that would happen. So you had this fear always of doing something wrong or criticizing something or just going against orders. Because we, we knew if you say something against them, you would just... Get be I mean you would they would get rid of you. So I I put up with a lot of stuff that I normally wouldn't put up with. Um, but at this time I had been in the company long enough to to have this fear control me in a way. And normally I would never put up with this kind of behavior. I'm not the kind of person who would accept this kind of behavior. But for some reason I just I did not dare to say anything. And when I finally did, things really took a turn for the worse. I, I told Peter that I did not want him to contact me privately in any way. I told him that I only wanted him to use my uh, work number for any anything he needed to talk about, not use my private phone. I had a private phone and a work phone. When he realized that I wasn't playing along with his little games, he started to make life really difficult for me at the office, meaning that he would ask me to do something uh, something specific with, uh, with work, like go do this job, go do that job. And then when I did, I would spend maybe three hours on something and I'll come back and I'll say, okay, so now we've done this, this and that. And you say, no, 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 that's all wrong. That's not what I asked for. And uh, you're not uh, showing results. And can you please uh, show me results on this, this and that? And, uh, and just make me feel like everything I did was wrong. But I had the clear feeling of him doing it intentionally because he wanted me out now. So now the only way for him to do that was to make me look like I wasn't capable of my job. So I felt like he was purposely confusing me and purposely making me look like I was a complete imbecile. This pattern of behavior started almost immediately after you had stood your ground and said, I don't want to be treated like this by you anymore. I do not welcome the attention that you were giving me. Please stop. Correct. So it's like, I, I, I think the just to make it, more clear if you imagine like in high school if you're not with the cool kids you're against them in a way and you're bullied and you are made to feel insecure in everything you do do you think that this was noticed by don yes definitely i know that he can't i mean he he can't keep track of every single employee at the office obviously because we were, what, 30, around 30 employees at the time at headquarters. So I know that Peter would go back to Don and say, so this person's doing good and over here we're doing good and over here we're not doing so well. And I know that at some point 
my job and what I was doing was given a lot of attention all of a sudden. And it was a lot of negative attention. In the beginning, it was positive. In the beginning, it was like, oh, it's doing a good job here. And this is uh, moving forward. And here we are finally doing better and and so on. Uh, Up until this point where it was the opposite, where there was a lot of um, me having to prove what I was actually doing, me having to justify what I was doing all the time, me having to uh, answer phone calls asking where are you now why are you not here what, where have you been what's with this what's going on here and I felt like it was like a personal attack because why was I all of a sudden being watched this way you know my every single move was I had to justify why are you here I need to see proof of results here and here and here and I had no chance at all because I um I wasn't instructed in a way where I knew what I had to do. I almost had to figure it out. It's like, this place is not doing well. Go fix it. And if I didn't fix it within two days, I would be, yes, I, w- I, w- I would have to answer all these questions. And and I really felt like I was being pushed out, for sure. Was this experience that you're having, this experience of being pushed out, was this something that you observed happening to other people in the office? Definitely, yes. I've, I've, I think a lot of uh, people who worked at headquarters can say that they at some point or another experienced uh, a colleague being pushed out in one way or the other. And it can be for personal reasons. It could be that they didn't like the way the person behaved or dressed or laughed or, you know, it could be any any little detail. If didn't approve of something, even if it's not related to their actual work, they would be terminated. Were you beginning to doubt yourself through all of this and your abilities? Definitely, yes. I mean, I I think um, in general, I'm a person that has a lot of self-confidence and I, I know what I'm good at and I definitely know what I'm not good at. But after a while working at McKellar, I really felt like I didn't have any capabilities at all I felt like I was one big failure and something was wrong with me you know like I I I, because I tried my best I think everyone working for that company they come in and they want to I mean they want to contribute they really want to um, do a good job I've seen and I care about a lot of my former colleagues because the passion they had and the dedication they had and the loyalty they showed it's, it was the same all around. I mean, everyone who came in those doors, entered those doors, really wanted to do good and they really wanted to contribute. But sadly, I saw a lot of them leave at the same time um, and they felt the same way I did. They felt like failures. They felt like um, useless, incapable people. And and after after this whole thing started, after... A lot of us realized that um, we had been treated the same way. I've spoken to former colleagues and they've all said the same, that after that time there, they, I mean, they had wounds, open wounds, and they had to take time to heal and get back to normal and regain their belief in themselves because we all left feeling like we were nobody and we had nothing to contribute with because we were just completely useless because that's how we were treated like we were useless and we could be replaced by anybody like a trained monkey could do our job and that that was said as well I mean I remember one incident where we were talking about one of my colleagues he was struggling a little bit and and Peter says a fucking monkey can do his job so if he's not going to do it get rid of him and we can hire anyone I can do his job and this particular guy was a very talented chef, and he was, in fact, very talented. But he, like everybody else, was having a hard time satisfying them because the way things are done, it's not constructive. Like, if you're given criticism, it's not constructive criticism. It's just criticism. You're just criticized, and you're put down, and you're told that you what you're doing is wrong. This is wrong. This is not right. We're not happy with this. You need to fix this. You need to fix that. But you're not helped in any way. You're just told, I don't care what you do, just do it better. Do better. And this guy in particular, he, I know for a fact that he really tried. And the way they talked about him, 
uh, fucking monkey, to quote him, could do his job, was just to me the essence, you know, of how you were treated because you were just seen as a nobody that just had to do your job. And if you didn't, then you're just out of there, you know. This culture is permeating throughout the office and we will come back to the impact on your colleagues and yourself after you leave the company. Prior to that, though, there is the idea that you are able to report this behavior. Were you able to report what happened to you? Were you able to file a formal complaint? Um, I guess I could. I mean, there was HR, HR manager, head of HR, but like everybody, she's told what to do and she reports directly to Don and Peter. It wouldn't have any effect. But I spoke to many of my colleagues during this time where it got really difficult uh, and we all felt the same. We all felt like was out to get us it wasn't just me it was maybe five of my other colleagues I spoke to on a daily basis and they all felt like we were being mistreated um, and we were being bullied and threatened as well many times you know if you don't do your job you, you, you I will get rid of you um, and I think everybody will agree with me well the, the employees at that time that if we said anything to HR she would not be able to do anything anyways because she was under his control the same way we were. And uh, I had that belief for a long time, uh, up until the day I was actually terminated, because that day, that day obviously came because I, I was no longer in the inner circle. I was not part of the cool gang anymore. So I was terminated by Peter. Um, he asked me, like he's done many times, if I had two minutes. And we went into one of the meeting rooms and he told me that they reorganized the structure of the company and my position was no longer necessary so I was terminated and I had to leave the same day and not come back and I he told me uh, not to go and not to walk around and talk to people about this uh, basically just get lost and I remember asking him why was I terminated? And he said, like I said, we're restructuring and we don't need you anymore. And the feeling of, it was a funny feeling of relief because I've, I've, I wanted out for a while already at this time because the, I, I wish I could make you feel the way I felt and many others felt at this time. I mean, it was draining. It was emotionally draining going to work every day. And the, the energy in the room and the, the, it was really, truly toxic. And I know it sounds like a cliche, but it really was. From the moment you l walked out of the elevator and into the office, you just felt the, the, the fear, you know, the stomach aches, the nausea, everything just started from the moment you walked in because you never knew what was going to hit you. You never knew if you were going to be yelled at in front of everybody or if you were going to be looked at in a dirty way, or if you were going to be pulled aside and made to uh, justify your every single move, or told that what you did on social media yesterday was unacceptable, or all these things. Um, so when he terminated me, I just remember thinking, okay, now, now I've had it. Um, and at this point, I had also been sexually harassed by him. Um, he... We went on a company trip uh, where we visited one of the bars and um, he ended up uh, knocking on my door after we left the uh, the birthday party that we attended. One of the bars had the birthday. So me, Mick, Don and Peter and another colleague from HQ went and in the hotel we said goodnight, goodbye, see you tomorrow and suddenly it knocked on, on my door and it's Peter and he says he needs to talk to me and I remember looking at my watch and thinking okay it's I don't know what time it was but after midnight and I remember saying can we discuss this on Monday at the office please and he said no because it's uh, it's urgent and he told me he was considering firing one of my close colleagues and I remember thinking I can't let this happen because I know that if he wants to fire him he's going to fire him so I felt that I had to talk to him because if I didn't, he would probably fire him. So I 
despite every single cell in my body saying, no, don't let him in. I just, yeah, I stupidly enough let him in. And he came into my hotel room and he was sitting on a chair and he was talking, talking, talking about my colleague and whether or not he should fire him. And while we're having this conversation, he uh, suddenly takes off his his hoodie and his T-shirt and he's sitting there topless. Uh, and I remember thinking, okay, this I, I need to get him out now. And I felt scared. And I remember thinking, okay, Don is on the other side of this wall. I have the phone right here next to me, the, the, the hotel phone, so I can dial one or whatever and get hold of reception. But I remember thinking, I need to get this man out of my room now because he is, I just didn't feel safe around him. Um, and the, it's, it's the most bizarre situation because we are literally talking about whether or not he should terminate my colleague. There's no private talk going on. There's no reason for him to think that I want him to take off his clothes at all. I am placed far away from him and I am... I think my body language is very clear to anyone but him that I am not interested in him uh, yeah, undressing in any way. Um, and this is also after I've told him several times that I do not want this attention. But anyways, he's sitting here without his T-shirt or anything on. Um, and I finally uh, gain enough courage to stand up and walk over to the door open the door and say, I want you to leave, please leave. And he looks at me with this smirk and he says, are you sure? And I obviously say, yes, I'm sure, please leave, I want you to leave. Luckily he does, uh, he leaves, I close the door and I, I text my colleague that I've been talking to before and I say, uh, I am... I'm scared right now. I don't know what to do. What should, what should I do? And my colleague says, you should uh, just, you know, I, I'm, I'm here on the line. Like, just don't worry. He's not, I mean, it, he, he left. Don't worry. And while we're talking, it knocks on my door again. This is when I really, I really freak out now because I, I feel like, you know, the walls are closing in on me because I, I just can't believe that he's actually knocking on my door again. And I pretend to be asleep. Um, I don't open the door again. And he keeps knocking. He's knocking for a while. For a couple of minutes, he just knocks on my door very insistently. Uh, and he finally leaves. And then I get a text saying, let me in from him. I don't reply. And he said, I, I need to talk to you. Let me in. But again, I'm pretending to sleep. I completely ignore this message. And eventually he stops texting, he stops knocking at my door. And the next morning, Don, Peter and I meet uh, where we agreed on the previous night and he pretends like nothing happened. And I am, I'm just, I'm in shock, but at the same time, I'm no longer surprised. I just want to get home because we're in a different city. We're in Aarhus. And that's pretty far from Copenhagen. And all I want is just to get home um, and get away from him. And after that, that's when I tell him again that this is not working. Like we cannot work together if this is how you're going to behave. And I tell him, and this is when he really changes uh, his behavior towards me and he becomes... What's the word I'm looking for? Evil. Like he, he just, he, everything I do is, uh, he watches every single move and he makes sure to point out whenever I'm doing something that's not satisfying. Um, and that's, that's when it really goes bad for me there. And going to work now is, I mean, I cry at the office several times. I, uh, I, I really feel like I'm under attack every single day. It's not just me. I mean, I thought it was just me, but after talking to my other colleagues, I know that everybody noticed something in his behavior. He really went angry and vile on everyone from that point forward, except for maybe two or three people. 
but everybody else noticed that okay you know watch out everybody like walking on eggshells and then there would be you know the one day where he was in a good mood but in general it was um it was really difficult to to function normally because you just you knew that it was it could be anyone it could be you it could be your colleague that would just get the two minutes and he would like scold you you know he would yell at you and he would tell you how everything you did was just wrong and it was in a really angry and um, like he just wanted to prove his power you know he wanted to prove this is my position i'm here and the rest of you are here below him and if he didn't want you there he would get rid of you it was obvious to everyone that he was um like the executioner not to be dramatic but just if he didn't want you there he would get rid of you it was um it was very intense to say the least and this moment where we're talking about his switch in behavior this where he went from obviously giving you attention that you didn't want but still bringing you into the fold having you a little bit closer in the working environment this really was the moment when you said no I reject what you're coming to me with yeah I wrote I wrote him an email after the Aarhus trip where I wrote to him we need to talk this is not working the way we are uh the working with you right now is not okay with me and I remember it clearly because I, I click send. I write the email saying we need to talk because I don't feel comfortable the way it is between you and I at the moment. And I we need to talk about this because it cannot continue. And I don't know if you can imagine, but this office, it's a, it's very quiet when, when Don and Peter are around and they're in a bad mood. It's super quiet. And I click send and I hear, I just hear him getting up from his chair, marching down to me. And then he says, six pack now. And six pack is the, the meeting room. And I remember thinking, oh, okay, now he's going he's gonna to eat me alive. He's going to kill me now. So I walk into the meeting room and he just goes off on me. And he's like, what the hell am I thinking about sending him an email like this? And if there's ever, ever anything we need to talk about that's personal between you and me, you never write me an email. You tell me face to face, never on email. Don't text me. Don't email me. You tell me face to face. And he was yelling at me. And I remember thinking, I just wrote that we need to talk. And this is funny because every time we were, uh, I was emailing with any of our partners in, in, in one of the bars or anything. And I told him, um, yeah, so I spoke to this and this person and we agreed on this and that. He would always say, okay, that's all fine. But what you need to do now is write an email confirming everything because you always need to have a paper trail he always said that he always said make sure you have it in writing that's the only way that we have proof of your conversation and he would say this many times when I was dealing with some of our partners or employees or so on I would often talk to people on the phone and call them and he would always say that's fine but you need to have an email so this coming from him just made me think this is not right because what are you so afraid of? I mean, why Why is it wrong for me to write an email to you? Did it imply to you that he knew his behavior had been wrong? I think this is the point where he, for the first time, got a bit scared of what I could do um, because he had behaved the way he had. I think he never saw it as a threat because he, for some reason, thought I was okay with it. Um or I think maybe me not saying anything before made him feel like, oh, I got her under my control. She's never going to say anything. She's never going to do anything. Maybe he saw me as weak or something. I don't know. But I, I had kept quiet till now. Uh, there was another incident where he uh, he ended up kissing me. There was a, another party where he was, it was a, yeah, a, a company party where he got really drunk and he was acting very inappropriately towards some of the Warpigs girls and it was one of my it was my first company party I hadn't been in the company for too long and I I remember seeing him being very inappropriate towards these uh 
two women working at Warpix and I told him that I didn't think it was a good idea for him to be behaving the way he was. And at the time I was, like I said, new, so I didn't realize that <laughs> telling me what to do or not to do was, was a bad idea. So I, I pulled him aside and I said, you, you need to remember that these, I mean, you're their boss. I'm their boss as well. We, you can't be acting like this. I need to tell you that this is not okay. And I remember him saying, ah, don't worry about it. It's just war pigs. They're my girls. Don't worry about it. I can do, I can like, more or less, he said, I can do whatever the hell I want. And it was none of my business to tell him to do anything else. And I could just really tell that these girls were not comfortable with the way he was behaving. And I think every girl can recognize the situation. Like when you're in a club, you're dancing, this guy comes up and, and dances like at you you know he's not dancing with you he's dancing at you and I, I could just recognize the whole you know when when two women are dancing and they the one goes oh I really need the toilet do you too and they're like oh yeah let's go you know that kind of thing and it was so obvious I don't think I cannot be the only person thinking okay that's too much dude it's creepy they do not want you dancing grinding up against them they are not interested it was so obvious so I tell him you need to you need to chill like D don't dance with them. Just leave them alone. And uh, he, he, we're all drinking, obviously. He gets really drunk and he just doesn't uh, stop. So when the party ends, I um, we're all supposed to go on a bus uh, to take us. I'm not sure if it's to the after party or what it is, but I remember just thinking, because I saw him, he, he kept pursuing them. Like he kept trying to uh, talk to them and, you know, Oh, let's have a beer and this, this, that. And I could, I just, I was watching them because I, I felt worried for them in a way because I know that bartenders, they are not in a place where they can say, you need to, you know, get lost. You can't. You can, but it's not going to work. So I just, I felt this responsibility to just, you know, watch them. Uh, so I, uh, I tell him when, when the bus uh, arrives, I'm like, you're not going on that bus. Because I, I, I saw the way he was, you know, just n not changing his behavior. So I said, I think it's better you go home. You need to go home now. Um, and, and, he, and he's, yeah, yeah, okay, uh, you're okay, you're right, you know, slurring and so on. And I, uh, I get a cab, put him in the cab, and uh, in the cab he kisses me. And I, again, I am doing nothing to invite this. And I am... I freeze for a second, oh, for a while. I just freeze because I did not expect this. I trusted him, you know. I, I really, in the beginning, to be fair, I thought he was a great boss um, and I trusted him and I enjoyed working with him. And then this happens and I just remember thinking, what is going on? Like, I cannot believe this is happening. So I freeze, but I... I, I I have this moment where I, I, I feel like numb and I um I just remember s like holding my hands on his like like chest and like at, like pushing him away saying nah, no this this no stop you know and um this is a Sunday and the next day at the office he's I mean it's it's like we have to pretend like nothing happened. And again, he pulls me aside, says, do you have two minutes? <laughs> and we go into this same stupid meeting room and he says, and I remember his words because I remember feeling that he's putting words into my mouth. He says, I hope you don't feel like anything happened last night that you didn't want. And I regret this till today saying I remember just that this room meeting room is very small and always positioned himself by the door with his hand on the door handle so he's blocking the exit and he says I hope you don't feel that anything happened last night that you didn't want to happen and I remember just thinking I have to say whatever the hell he wants to hear so I can leave this room so in panic and in just out of fear I just say no 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 no. it's fine you were drunk I was drunk it's all good it's, it's okay don't worry uh you know it's fine and then he just said good and he leaves 
And I'm just sitting there. And I remember I'm shaking because I'm just thinking, what, what am I, okay, what happened? What am I going to do? And I walk out and I know I just have to pretend and go on as if nothing has happened. And I think a lot of people will, will say, a lot of people who did not work at Michele will say, why didn't you go to HR? Why didn't you say something? Any reasonable person, and I'm a reasonable person, I'm intelligent and all these things, but I was not able to say anything because of the way things were. And it's hard to explain, but it, this place is not a place where you speak up for yourself because, you know, if you do, you're just sacked right there. So anyway, back to my termination. I was terminated and I was angry, um, especially because I felt like I was being kicked out. I mean, if I'm, terminated if I'm terminated because of a reorganization of the company, it would be normal for me to have my three months notice, finish my things, you know, Uh, say goodbye to my colleagues, um, send emails to whoever I need, you know, send emails on current uh, projects to whoever needs to take over for me and so on. But I was literally told to leave after a few hours and not to come back and not to speak to my colleagues about it. So I was angry. And at this point, I really, I was fed up. I felt like, okay, this is now, this is enough. I've had enough. So I go to HR And I tell her, I need to talk to you. So we sit down and I tell her, okay, listen, a lot of things has been going on. I'm not sure if you're aware of everything. I know you're not aware of these two incidents where I was directly, yeah, harassed or whatever, violated. I need to tell you what's going on because I'm sort of new at this point, HR. Uh, I think her so-called honeymoon period had just ended, so she still felt really positive about everything because she was not part of... Yeah, she hadn't really crossed over to the other side yet. Oh, yeah, it sounds so dramatic. Okay, she was still um, under the belief that Michaela was a good place to work. She had definitely seen and overheard a few situations and incidents. I'm sure it's inevitable. But I remember sitting her down and telling her, you need to know who you're working for. You need to understand what goes on behind the scenes. You need to understand who you're working for and what kind of company you're working for. And I think I sat with her for 45 minutes. I told her everything, every single story. She was shocked to hear it. And she said, I'm really sorry this happened to you. And she said, you've given me a lot to think about and all these things. We hugged and I left. So for her to come out after and say that she didn't know anything, it's, uh, that's just disappointing to say the least. And it's so hurtful because, um, It just really makes me feel like um, they, I don't know if they got to her as well, but she knew. And for her to say that she didn't know anything really makes me feel like, yeah, like it just didn't matter, you know, it didn't happen. <laughs> but it did happen and she knew and uh, anything else is a lie. Exactly, but I think she might have said you need to talk to your union about this. But I think HR this time was honestly and sincerely shocked. Um, I believe she was. And that actually makes it even worse to hear that she says that nothing happened and for her to still defend them and play on with this whole we didn't know anything was wrong we didn't realize people were suffering it it's so hurtful and it's just wrong i mean above all it's just wrong you can't pretend that you don't know when you were told so you're terminated you're told to leave on the same day You walk out the doors. You never go back to HQ again. But obviously, after these experiences, it doesn't just end that day. What was it like for you after you left? 
After I left, there was a long period of me feeling I was just exhausted, you know. It was like, I just, I felt so exhausted because it had been honestly a nightmare for the past at least six months. Um, and no, it, it, it really didn't end there. I mean, a whole new things started after leaving because I was I I think only after leaving I realized how crazy it had been and how wrong it had been and how fucking not normal it was. I mean I I I left with a feeling of you know when you just you wonder what the hell happened. And and it was a roller coaster of emotions because it had been good for a short period of time in the beginning. And it's like at Michaela, I've had my best and my worst times because in the beginning it was really great. But as soon as it wasn't great anymore, it's been the most crazy, um, terrifying, tiring, confusing, violating. I mean, I've never experienced anything in my life as intense as this and as wrong and I've never felt more useless in my life than after this because they just they literally take away all confidence you might have and you they take away yeah like you you feel so insignificant after working there because that's how they see you I believe that's how I felt I was seen they don't care about people. They say they care about people. In their DNA, it's written. Our most valued asset is, you know, it's our employees. But that's what they write. But honestly, that's not the truth. That's not how they treat people. Because I can testify to it. A lot of my former um, colleagues can testify to it. Because after leaving McKellar, you realize that even though they say they care about their people and they care about most, what they care about most is the people, you know that it's about profit. It's about money. It's about getting what they want, whatever it takes. And they will gladly sacrifice their employees to get to where they want to go. And it's hurtful to see how it affects good people. And I have, now it's been more than two years since I left the company and I am only now getting to a point where I can, first of all, talk about this and second of all, work full time again because I felt, like I've said before, I felt so useless um, and I, I felt like I couldn't do anything right and I didn't trust I didn't I just didn't trust people you know in in a work relation like I I was scared to put myself out there again because I I I trusted Michaela in the beginning and I felt good and I ended up feeling yeah just like human trash you know mm. um so it has taken a lot of healing it has taken a lot of therapy to be honest um and i wish i hadn't ever stepped into that office because i can say for sure that it has not been worth it i've had awesome colleagues and i've had good experiences but what i take with me is a lot of pain a lot of fear a lot of frustration, anger, I mean, the list goes on. Even though they say now that they have fixed whatever problem there might have been, I feel above all that they are trying to um, disregard what happened. And that's simply not okay. Peter, leaving. With all this appraisal and they are just... I mean, this guy, thank you so much for all your hard work. Thank you for everything you've done for the company. 
that's just wrong because what he has done for this company is nothing to be proud of. I can imagine that was an incredibly difficult moment for you to see that email and to see what they had said about him. Honestly, when I was told, uh, I just... I can't even describe how I felt when I was told because I just felt, I mean, the anger. Most most of all, I felt anger because this is a guy who has ruined the lives of so many good people. And Don was aware of his, um, what can I call it, his uh, tactics and his way of doing things. And the way he bullied, the way he frightened the way he led with fear was of Don's knowledge and he let be the way he was I mean he enforced it don't get don't get it wrong he really he yeah they were um, a powerful team and uh, that's not meant in any good way um, at all, because the victims, I have to call them victims, because we were victims of this duo that did not have any respect for our lives and the way we were impacted by these methods. And for them to say anything else is just not true. Um, so when Peter finally, well, he wasn't fired uh, when, whenever he left the company, I don't know if he was fired or what the hell went on, it's still not clear to me. But when he was let go, to realize that he was sent off with flying colors just made me feel... Um, I, was, I was devastated, honestly, because I felt like the truth is never going to come out. And people need to know the truth. It's important to me because you cannot pretend that this, this didn't happen. You cannot pretend that people have not suffered and are still to this day suffering from what they were exposed to during those years at McKellar. It happened and they cannot silence us. I mean, you cannot pretend like it didn't happen. You cannot avoid being held accountable for this because it was not a little thing. It's not isolated to four incidents. It's several, and it's not just me being a sensitive woman or whatever. We were really bullied and harassed and just taken apart bit by bit. I know it sounds dramatic, but it's the truth. It's what happened, and it needs to come out. By far the worst boss I've ever had, purely because of the way he sees people. He disregards people as being worthful of anything. They're not worth anything. And it's just painful to be treated as if you still don't matter, you know. Fair enough, they've changed things and now they, uh, they've hired God knows how many professionals to deal with this. But you can't disregard what happened cannot just pretend like it didn't happen because we're here and we're still here and we will always be here. Our experiences do not disappear with an email. Is there anything else that you would like people to know or people to hear in this conversation today? I think what's most important to me now is like I just said to hold Peter accountable to how many people's lives he has affected the impact this man has had on so many people is important to me. And Don needs to acknowledge that this happened. This happened with his knowledge because he, it's not like he didn't know who and what Peter was and is. Um, I think that's, in fact, the very reason why he kept it on for so long, because he would get things done 
whatever it takes, he would get it done. But I, I hope that he realizes how this has impacted so many people, good people, in fact. Um, and I want consumers and I want current employees to think twice about uh, supporting Michaela and I and and I'm not out to get uh, Michaela and I'm not I'm not out for revenge or anything. I just want people to know the truth because consumers have this and and current employees and maybe future uh, em, sorry not employees yes employees <laughs> sorry current um, employees and future employees and consumers have this idea of. The narrative that's been going on uh, for the past months months have been has been um, very positive and very oh we care about our employees and our DNA states this and we have this and this action plan and all we care about is the diversity and the culture and this this and that and I just don't want them only to get that side of the story because there are two sides of the story and this side needs to be acknowledged and. The power that Michaela has right now, um, I feel like it's fake. Like the power is real, but the story is just fake. Because the way a lot of people see Michaela is not the true version. I hope it gets there. Honestly, I hope. I hope that uh, future employees and current employees will not have these kind of experiences. But again, this happened, and we need to we need to get that story out there. Pretending like it didn't happen, pretending like you didn't know, is not fair to us who went through this. It's just not fair. I want people to realize that this is not just a Me Too um, situation. It's people. People are being treated badly. It's not just women. It's not just... one or two incidents. It's a way that people in general are being treated. It's not harassment of one gender. It's not one or two people being bullied. It's a way of seeing people. It's the way they have little or no respect for people's lives and the way they are affected by the way they're treated. So it's it's not a Me Too thing. It's not isolated to a Me, me Too thing. It's, um, it's the culture in general. You may have noticed that the departure of Peter was discussed in this testimony, and this is something that the next episodes will address. I will also reserve any further commentary until the next episode regarding this. However, there is another event in the future that you're going to hear about. It's in relation to some statements that were made by the company in regards to survivors being contacted by the company and their case is being investigated. This might be skipping ahead a little bit, but obviously the company has since come out and apologized for this culture and this behavior. They have said that they didn't know. They've also said that they have contacted everyone that they were aware had an issue within the company. Have you been contacted by the company? I have not. I haven't heard from Don since... Before I was terminated, I was terminated and he didn't... I haven't heard anything from him. Even I mean, the last time I spoke to him, I was still on the payroll, you know. So I haven't heard from him. I haven't heard from anyone. Yeah. No, I was I was blocked by Don on his Instagram, that's all. So no, I haven't heard anything. Super Cool Toxic Workplace is a hand-in-heart media production and was written, produced, and hosted by Kate Bailey. To join in the conversation around episodes, follow at handandheart.eu on Instagram or at underscore Kate underscore Bailey underscore on Twitter. Original music by Julia Laws. 
Design and social media templates were provided by the anonymous artists going by Bennis Gallery and were provided for free. For all information and resources relating to this podcast, including contact links should you wish to connect with Kate and the team, head to www.supercooltoxicworkplace.com. Thank you most especially to our sources, whose courage and commitment have brought you these stories today. And thank you for listening.